after seeing some of the reactions of the second reading, I'm, I'm holding back. I want to preach on that reading, but <clears throat> I did that a couple years ago. So what I want to focus on this morning is Joshua. I love the book of Joshua, not just because it was named after me, but mainly because Joshua was such an amazing man. Like he was one of the greatest patriarchs, no nonsense. And today in the first reading, he's laying out for the people. And it's a good question for us to all think about. He's basically saying this. He's saying, listen, you're going to be living among a people that do not believe what you believe. And you're going to have to make a choice to really live your faith or you can just live like them. But you have to make a choice. The Israelites were called to live differently. You and I are called to live differently. And I don't know if you know this, but we live in a world where most people don't believe what we believe. And Joshua very clearly lays out where he stands. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But that wasn't just a nice little sentiment for Joshua. It was everything. He meant it. He didn't just have it, you know, like, have you guys seen those things, you know, like you put them up in your house and, you know, the stickers or whatever that, you know, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. That's nice. That's nice to have that up in your house. Do you live it? Is everything in your life surrounded by that? Is every choice you make dictated by that? That was the life that Joshua lived, boldly living his faith among a people who did not believe what he believed, never backing down and never losing heart because he believed that God's law was not only going to change him and his household, but in some way it was going to change everybody around him. <clears throat> now we have done a very good job in the last 50 years of making sure that we don't stick out as a church. We have kept quiet. We've been a good church. Just shut our mouths. And yet, we did such a good job that now we just can't fit in anymore. Now you have to, the line's drawn and you have to make your decision. Because we've been quiet for so long that evil has worked its way right into the moral fabric of our country. And you guys, being a disciple is not about fitting in. It's about living differently. And if we don't all start living differently, I'm talking radically different, our country will fail. Not Christendom, not the church, but America. I was listening to a podcast this last week and it quoted a letter from Samuel Adams, the founding father, not the beer guy, right? And it was a letter that he wrote to James Warren. And I was, I was so struck by a few of the lines that he wrote. Just listen to this. While the people are virtuous, they cannot be subdued. But once they lose their virtue, they will be ready to surrender their liberties to the first external or internal invader. We look to our armies as our greatest defense, but virtue is our best security. It is not possible that any state should long remain free where virtue is not supremely honored. However, no people will tamely surrender their liberties, nor can they easily be conquered when truth is diffused and virtue is preserved. That is one of the founding fathers of this country, you guys. 
And yet, virtue has been turned into vice. And we promoted it. Truth has been turned into relativism and lies. And we promoted it. And we, the church, have tamely shut our mouth and let this happen. We have not diffused knowledge, truth, and virtue, but rather confusion, selfishness, materialism, appeasement. We have degraded human nature, and we've made a mockery of God in our society. And then we have the audacity to sit back and say, how did this happen? Why is God not doing something? And the two greatest attacks are clearly laid out in our second reading and in our gospel. It is the two things the devil is going after 150% right now. The second reading says marriage. And the gospel is all about the Eucharist. Why? Because these are the two stalwarts of truth and virtue. Well, they are meant to be. And the reason they are the two greatest attacks is because they are the two sacraments that are about God in himself. And if you can skew who God is in himself, you can lead the whole world astray. Matthew Kelly, the great Catholic author, he wrote a book called The Four Signs of a Dynamic Catholic. And I'm having my parish council read the book right now. And in the, he opens with this story of a man, he's... It's like a CEO or, I don't know, he's some big wig in a company and he has a talk he has to give. And he has to, you know, it's kind of a, a hoorah talk. And he has nothing. He can't think of anything. And his son comes in and starts bothering him and says, Dad, I want to I wanna play. So he's playing with his son. He's like, my gosh, i got to write this talk. And he can't. And all of a sudden he finds this this uh, page out of a magazine, and he tears it up. There's a, it's a picture of the world, and he tears it all up. And he figures, I can keep my son busy for an hour. He says, son, put it all back together, and if you do, I'll give you 20 bucks. Good parenting, by the way. <laughs> figures he's got an hour. All of a sudden, the son comes in 10 minutes. He says, Dad, I got it done. And he holds it up, and it's the world. And he's like, how did you do it? And he's like, well, when I looked at everything. I was like, I didn't know what the world looked like. But I noticed on the back of the world was a picture of a man. And I know what a man looks like. So I just put that picture together. And I taped it all up, flipped it over, and there was the world. I figured, he said, if I got the man right, I'd get the world right. And he said, in that moment, I had my talk for my company. If you get the man right, you get the world right. This is why we have to properly understand God. And if we don't, we will ruin the world. Marriage and the Eucharist are the two great revealers of God in himself. Marriage, quick understanding, is the physical manifestation of who God is in himself. Marriage is a sign of the Trinity. It's a sign of God's love for his church. We hear it in the second reading. Now, most of you probably didn't hear it. All you heard was, wives, submit to your husbands. That's it. And everybody shut out. Husbands were like, thank God I finally got something out of church. (laughs) Wives just sat there like this. But what he says is, he says, I speak of a great mystery in regards to marriage. It's God and his love for his church. And we destroyed it, or rather, we let it be destroyed. The Trinity is a communion of persons in an eternal exchange of love, giving life to the world. 
the father pours himself, in himself out in love to the son. The son receives it, gives it back. And the love between them is so powerful, it produces a person, the Holy Spirit. Does that sound familiar? The husband pours himself out in self-sacrificial love to his wife. The wife receives it, gives back to her husband. And the love between them is so powerful, it produces a person, a child. Boom. The Trinity. God in himself. That is why marriage is under attack. Because if the devil attacks marriage, he's attacking God. It is no wonder why Sister Lucia from Fatima said, The final battle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan will be about marriage and the family. And if you can't see that happening right now, you are blind. And yet the world makes a mockery of marriage and of God and jams it incessantly down our throats. And we, for the most part, take it. I have some friends out in Aberdeen I was visiting this uh, last couple days. And one of them shared a little uh, quote from me from a a man. His name is Ian Watson. He's an author, a British author. Listen to what he said. And you can take this pretty much in reference to anything that's going on right now in the media. If you have to be persuaded, reminded, pressured, lied to, incentivized, coerced, bullied, socially shamed, guilt-tripped, threatened, punished, and criminalized, if all of this is necessary to get your compliance, you can be absolutely certain that what is being promoted is not in your best interest. We must fight back and protect and promote the dignity and sanctity of marriage between one man and one woman. The second great attack is on the Eucharist. All this politicizing of the greatest gift that's been given to us, God in the flesh. And yet the church won't stand up and speak out. I mean, for crying out loud, Jesus denied the Eucharist to people. Why? Because they didn't believe. As they walk away today in the gospel, Jesus doesn't say, he's like, wait, time out. I was kidding. He doesn't appease the crowds. He doesn't dumb down his teaching. He lets them walk. Why? Because for Jesus, the Eucharist is that important. Essentially what he's saying is, if you don't want the Eucharist, you don't want me. And then he turns to his apostles. He says, are you going to leave as well? He is ready to sacrifice the entire mission, the entire church on this one truth. Do you believe that that is his body and blood, soul and divinity? Because here's the, here's the fact, folks. Those doors, they're not locked. I am not keeping you in here. And if you don't believe in the sanctity of marriage between one man and one woman, and you don't want to promote that wherever you live, work, and play, and if you don't believe in the Eucharist as the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus, that's the door. And I love what Peter says. And maybe all of us could make it our answer. You know, he says, Jesus, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't. Body, blood, eating, flesh, I, I don't know. But I know this. You're God. And if you say it, I believe it. What do you believe? 
What do you believe about the man? Because whatever you believe about the man is going to shape the way you live in the world. You and I are called to live radically different lives. To stand up for what we believe vocally, in the workplace, in our families. And it's hard and it will cost us, I promise you that. But guess what, folks? It cost him. It cost him his life. Surely it can't be cheap for us. And so how do you answer? Who's going to do it? For me, I've made up my decision. I stand with my namesake, Joshua. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Who will you serve?